You're not the bad guys. We are. Savage. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by MTES. Uh, MTES are uh, sponsoring me for another year uh, and they provide extensive IT solutions in response to the complex myriad of rapidly changing demands and requirements of small to medium enterprises, hotels, schools and large corporations. Offering first class technical support from highly skilled network engineers, they are a cost effective and flexible alternative to the traditional IT department. Uh, check them out at NTES. Dot com and check them out on their social media also this is a and has been a very very busy week um my new studio is almost ready with a green screen so i'll be doing a little bit more video stuff i've been getting my setup desk uh the actual studio itself the green screen which i've been waiting for and the camera for the last three weeks um, the spice box that I'm going to be doing on the 10 euro tier is going to use that as well as some of the other content that's going to be not totally video focused but will have more video involved um, so I'm looking forward to getting that off the ground but this week is also exciting because I'm on the radio for uh, Glasgow versus Munster in Thoman Park tomorrow which is the focus of this game would you believe it or not this podcast is what we're going to be looking at so yeah look I, I, I think it's a really really important game and I think that you know for Munster in particular like this gives an opportunity to get our fingertips onto a the possibility of a home quarter final in uh, the URC which I think, given the way that the next couple of weeks play out, allows, I mean, I think re- results will allow us to focus on what is important for us. That's going to be a huge part of it. But given the way the season started, for Munster to be fifth, uh, with the opportunity to deal directly with a direct opponent, really, really good. And uh, yeah, no, it's just something I think that for, you know, I think the last couple of games this run of home games this is the pinnacle this is what it's been building to in the regular season this is as good as a knockout game and um, so for Munster this is a a massive massive one and uh, I, I think that you know I, I'll get to it in a minute first of all uh, on the radio right because I've had a few people ask me about it because I was talking about it on the secret club I mentioned it elsewhere as well about what do you do to prep for the game like there won't be a red eye article for this game because i've been prepping for the radio so i'll have a longer trk radio and a longer wally ratings afterwards um and I'll, this will be a longer podcast as well to kind of compensate for that but just didn't have time today mainly because i'm, I'm prepping for the radio so like you'll often see people on the radio um or for tv or whatever else commentators with these big 
long bits of paperwork with like loads of small little details written in and stuff like that. I don't do that, right? I think my role as a color commentator is to give people an overview of the game itself. I don't think it's important that I know Jamie Doby, how many times he's played as a winger or what his fucking first cousin's name was. Like, I, I, guess I don't know. that There's no ending to that joke. I actually don't know. Like, I think it's my job on the radio to kind of educate for the people who aren't watching it. So to give them an idea as to what's just happened and why. So I've been doing a lot of watching of Glasgow of their last couple of games so I can give people an insight into what's going to be happening. So my prep isn't on writing down fucking details off Wikipedia. It is how do Glasgow play the game and how do Munster play the game and how will that mesh with each other. Earlier this season, um, Glasgow made a coaching hire that was roundly unpopular, I remember, at the time, with Franco Smith coming in in the aftermath of, I think most people, when they end up coaching Italy, end up having a disappointing run. I can't remember the last guy who came out of Italy uh, with their reputation enhanced. Uh, Franco Smith, prior to joining Italy, had been the head coach of the Cheetahs in the Pro 14. Yeah, Pro 14? Yeah, Pro 14. Um, the year for further, I think the two years or three years when the Cheetahs and the Southern Kings were involved in the league. Now, if you remember, the Cheetahs at the time were very, very expensive. An absolute nightmare to play in Bloemfontein, but eminently beatable away from home. But they played a really attractive style of rugby that... When it clicked and when it was on, like, they hurt you repeatedly. I remember watching Munster play them in Bloemfontein. We actually won that game. That was the one with the the first Jeremy Lockman Funt. Um, that game was just incredible with regards to the pace, with regards to the uh, the, the tries that were scored. Because what, what the Cheetahs were perfect at doing was burning you out at altitude. They would just, they would snatch the lungs out of you by the time the game hits 65 minutes or 35 minutes and just finish you and just kill you stone dead with the you know the, the pace and the tempo that they played at Franco Smith's Glasgow and just like Franco Smith's Italy attempted to do play a similar style of rugby and he's learned a lot as he's gone um, but the core principles of his game are still there like Franco Smith is an attack first rugby coach. The way that he coaches the attack for, for Glasgow has similar echoes to the way he coached it for Italy and the way he coached it for the Cheetahs before. Like it is about expansivity, it is about plenty of pass options, it is about guys playing at pace. There there's offloads, but it's not even a, really about offloads. It's about the pace and the accuracy that they play with. And almost to, to the point where like when they get good position in the in the twenty two, like they just burn teams out. They've got good accurate passers. They've got like good hard runners. Like one of the things about like the the cheetahs, like that was Ox and Che's cheetahs team. Like remember Ox and Che? Like he well he's currently playing for the Sharks. He's a captain international now. Um, but like when he first broke through, it was with, um, it was with that cheetahs side, and. Like, they played with such pace, they played with such ambition, 
it suited a guy like um like Ox down to the ground and you look at the the team that 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 Glasgow have like when they're at their best they've got similar like similar qualities but I think as well what Franco Smith has learned from I think and I'm not sure whether this is just these are the personnel he has I mean this is his first season at Glasgow he hasn't had a chance to to bring in some of the guys that he wants but like you look at his his um his main midfield is usually um Hugh Jones and Sione Tuopilato like at the Cheetahs he basically would play with three tens like he would have you know uh can't think of the name of the guy now but basically there were guys who altered the profile of being three fly halves at 10 12 and 13 so they had a lot of passing they had a long passing range they had a long kicking range which was perfect at, at altitude and like that played a large part in them being able to mix up the way that they played against you so like there was very little in like it, it was actually quite modern at the time like you look at their game like it didn't work you know when it went up north like they didn't have the conditioning i think they had you know, a few issues of quality but like you look at their overall approach to the game it was very modern at the time for you know the, the like the pro 14 like they when they were at home they're very very dangerous they would go on a good run be very very difficult to stop um but when he's gone to glasgow he hasn't exactly brought the exact same system but there's so much similarities like we just look i've looked through their starting lineup here uh in the back three they've got ollie smith cole forbes and jamie doby jamie doby is typically a scrum half uh, but he's playing here in the wing you would say that that typically means that you'll see a lot of kicking from Munster down that wing. Um, I would imagine that will be a bailout option that we'll go for. Um, but, you know, given the way that they defend for the most part, I think he'll be relatively comfortable there. Like, because again, the way that, that they that they defend with their, with their scrum halves a lot, like those guys end up on the wing anyway with the system that they play. So I'm not sure there's much there that you'd go, well... Like, because look, I, I think sometimes you can make a little bit too much of guys playing out of position. Like, you know, when it comes down to it, how much would be that different from what he does anyway during phase play? Like, yeah, maybe he won't be passing the ball as much, although I'm sure he get a lot of passes from the from the um from the base when the when the ball hits that wing of his. But like for the most part, I think that I don't see it being a lopsided issue that will kind of, you know, turn this like a, a kind of a an easy hack for Munster to go at. And I'm not sure that's going to be th the case here with Jamie Doby. Some of their Scottish internationals aren't back, right? They don't have uh, uh, Tui Pilato and Hugh Jones back yet um, because, look, they had a fairly heavy workload in the Six Nations. So there's some of their guys here who aren't available because of that. And, look, Munster do not have as, as big a... Um, international commitment at the moment as as glasgow do so there's an element of an advantage there which we have to hammer home here but like you look at their back three in general guys have like they, they have a similar enough profile all these players so we just have a look at you know you look at jamie doby for example look he's he's shorter well i'm gonna say he's five foot ten which is the same height as me but um you know he's he's a young fella you know he's a he's a guy who Look, I, I think there's lots of qualities to him. He's quick. He's a good handler. Like he's elusive. That's going to be a large part of 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 this game. Like with regards to like 
I don't see him being a washout there by any means. Like he's certainly not the the smallest scrum half I've ever seen. Um, because look, he's actually just really tall when you think about it. He's actually pretty much a giant, really, for a scrum half. Um, you have Cole Forbes. Uh, they signed him last season. Um, from the Bay of Bay of Plenty in in uh, New Zealand. He's a former under twenty international. Uh, Josh McKay has been playing really well for them this season. Um. But he, I think he's out injured at the moment, actually. And Ollie Smith uh, plays at fullback for him. Um, I watched him last season. Um, I think he was it against Leinster, I think it was. Looks a good player. Hits the line really hard. Wouldn't be a, a massively um, creative player. Like, he's more of a line runner for me. But, um, yeah, good, good player. And I, I like, I, I'm looking at that guy and thinking, look... Um, they're missing the likes of like Sebastian Cancelier, who has been a massive player for them this season. Like he's been a guy, massive amount of line breaks, um, scoring a ton of tries. That's a big miss for Glasgow here, to be fair. Um, but they have had a few injuries, and and, and that happens. Like I think they've got Facundo uh, Cordero uh, joined. I think he joined relatively recently, but he isn't available in this game as of yet. But, um. Yeah, look, there's an element of some parts of their midfield and stuff here are kind of patched together. Like you have uh, Stafford McDowell is the uh, captain here at uh, their outside centre. He is a big dude. This dude is six foot four. He is well over 100 kg. He will be the guy that they will use to hit that outside line. And again, if you look at the way that, that Glasgow play, they get with to maintain one-man cleans. The way that they play uh, off off ten and off twelve, like they get with, so that when somebody attacks the line, that it's in a it's in an area that is under resourced by default. So when like they will look to try and hit that ball to McDowell, they're going to try and get him over the gain line in the wider channels. That makes it like more difficult for the likes of we'll say Shane Daly or a Mike Haley or a Calvin Nash to get in over the ball and to basically punish a one-man clean. What a one-man clean is, is when you're playing a high-tempo game, guys who can secure the breakdown with one man means that you have more players standing in the line as an attacking threat. That's what this system runs on. So when they get that sort of pace going, those one-man cleans, they burn teams out. Like, with the pace and the tempo that they play at, it's almost like they're running around you and you're not even, like, you're not even in position to miss a tackle because the ball is just going straight past you. So, like, that's what happens when they're playing at their very best. And a guy like Stafford McDowell, he gives them that, he gives them that punch in the in the outside channels that guys like Sam Johnson, who will come in and are just a really balanced player. Like, you look at Sam Johnson, like, he has actually played, like, back row, he's uh, playing at 12 here like he is different to the typical 12 that well the typical 12 that we have seen from uh, Franco Smith teams before and typically he wouldn't play it would be uh, Tua Pilato and Hugh Jones but like he wouldn't be the most balanced kicker or anything like that but if there's a situation where you're seeing McDowell hitting the outside channel it would be most likely Sam Johnson as the guy who would come in and secure that ruck set the offside line and like they can play with a sort of pace that teams will concede a lot of offside penalties against them. And that'll be something for Munster to watch here with the way that Glasgow play, minding their pace and just making sure that like that you're not giving them the platform to play off. I think too much line speed against this Glasgow team. I can see how it would be successful, but it doesn't come without risk because 
if they get on the outside of the blitz and I think the, the like the the real uh, joy from Munster here will be looking to try and uh, pressure uh, Domingo Miotti and to pressure um, like any whoever the second handler is like they don't really have a guy here who would be a second handler they're looking for again when you look at at, at Miotti he has joined uh, Glasgow a couple of years ago now um, he's racked up a, f- a decent number of of, uh, of of appearances for Haguares in Super Rugby, and um, he's I think he's a capped uh, Puma. Like he's not very experienced, so like certainly for for Glasgow in this league. But I think that there's an opportunity for him to like to you know I suppose nail down a spot for himself here. But like to be honest, I could think it's more likely that like what you're looking for from this guy is um, just competence with regards to moving the ball around, kicking smartly. Like, Glasgow haven't won a ton of games against Munster over the last number of years. Like, they won, uh, well, in Toman Park. Because to be fair, they haven't played in Toman Park, right? Like, the last time we played them in Glasgow, the second last time, we lost that game. I think it was 13-11. We had a, a kick to tie the match, didn't make it. But, like, with the way that they've been playing as of late, like, there's a lot of pressure on their halfbacks in particular to like to, to keep that flow of possession going. Like anytime you're playing a high tempo game, your scrum half is hugely important. They've got Ali Price starting this one. Really experienced guy. But when Domingo Miotti, they have a guy who's almost the exact opposite. So they will need quality from him. I suppose there could be joy for Munster in pressurizing this guy. But given the way that the system that um that 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 Glasgow play I think depending on how they mesh with Munster's game, like defensively, like I, I think that there's massive opportunities there for, for Munster here if we can maintain possession. But again, if you look at the breakdown of, of, of Glasgow's season, like defensively they've been they've been going pretty well. Like at the moment they are um they're like they're 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 fourth for a reason. Like the primary like advantage that they've had has been that they've you know, like they've scored a lot of tries relative, you know, and I, I think their points difference at the moment is 78. Like our points difference at the moment is really, really good. Like we're 123, um, which is like, that's top four standard. Like, but at the same time, we've got to mind what we're doing against these guys because this Glasgow side have good, they've got good line out defense. They've got really good breakdown defense. And, and that's going to be the thing where we have to balance our different states of games against against Glasgow like fairly well because a heavy kick game which we haven't done this season so far I could see how that would make sense against Glasgow but like you know you look, you look, you look at their back row Matt Fagerson Rory Darge and Sione uh, uh, Vailanu like that's a big physical quick uh, back row that they have like they could play an off an off ball game very very easily here, like you know, because again, look, you look at at Rory Darge, he's kind of dropped out of um of uh, Scottish contention over the last number of years, like he broke through a couple of years back and looked like he was going to go on a, a Hamish Watson style um a Hamish Watson style breakthrough season, but it, it didn't happen for one reason or the other. But like they've gone for an all small forward build back row. There's not one of their back row is now again. You would look at at, at Sione Vailanu and go, look, he's technically not a small forward at all. <laughs> like he's coming up on one twenty kg at six foot one. Um, so like me, tugged out into my very heaviest days. But like I look at that guy, 
and I see him as being a primary ball carrying outlet yeah look Rory Darge and Matt Faggerson can get up into the air for sure but like I think that that in itself will give you an idea as to what Glasgow intend here like look their second row is massive you have Scott Cummings um, who is a really good line-out contester great like he's got like he's 6'6 six, six. Uh, you have JP Dupria who used to play with um, Franco Smith's cheetah side he is 6 foot 10 he is a monster this guy primary line-out target obviously a really good defensive line-out guy as well like they're going to primarily load up their line out on those two guys on Cummings and on JP Dupria like for for Munster I suppose that look I suppose knowing that there's two guys who are primarily going to be their main targets gives us an advantage to a certain extent but like I I think not so much that you would focus too much on 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 you know going heavy on the line out or giving them too many line outs I'm not sure if that makes a ton of sense but like the way that they've built that back five tells me that they're planning on an awful lot of counter transition. They're planning on an awful lot of contestables. They want to attack Munster's breakdown. I think what they would have seen from last time out, Munster against the Scarlets, was our structures in attack looking a little bit loose. Um, our defense being vulnerable, not necessarily to uh to the um you know, high pass per carry sequences or whatever, because it, it really wasn't. Um, it's the guys who could carry direct and hurt us ball in hand off nine for the most part. You look at Sione uh, Calamafoni, you look at Sam Luisi, you look at uh, Ve Fifita, those guys destroyed, like, I mean, they gave us a right tough time off nine in that game. And I think looking at this team here, like, yeah, look, they're missing guys like Oli Kebble, who I think would almost certainly be a guy who would start this game if he was available for them but like you look at Fagerson you look at Darge you look at Vailanu Vailanu in particular they can play very direct off that guy so like with this um, Glasgow team I almost said Cheetah's team but it's the same concept if you give them like two dynamic rocks off nine where they're getting doesn't even have to be massive gain line just incremental like they'll really hurt you and that's when it comes down to your edge defense has to be so sharp and so accurate because like that's how like that's how they catch you and like that's how they get their 22 entries and they're so effective once they get in there because they can kind of play both ways once once they get in there they can go very direct and like they've got a, a, a big small forward build in their back row so they're good at retaining the ball and that's a key part of the of the Franco Smith game is guys who can retain the ball really really well at the breakdown because again a resetting off sideline that's a huge part of this game for Franco Smith so they don't they don't rely massively on guys running directly over the gain line amen you know they'll take it if they can get it but it's about generating quick ball resetting those off sidelines and monster their discipline has to be on breakdown discipline has to be very important like there's a a risk i suppose or a kind of an opportunity too where you'd look at at glasgow and go well look they love to have guys in the line they love having uh like pass options for all their forwards where they typically like for the most part try to avoid losing two to three forwards in a ruck that typically is very un-glasgow for you to see them like a you know piling forwards in off nine and like typically when you see that they're kicking but like over the last couple of games that I've seen them, they love playing at that pace and they love having those options. 
decoy options, guys running pinch lines, block lines, um, and like they need guys in the line to make that work. When they don't have it, they become a lot easier to defend, and that's when they're prone to a few kicking errors. And I suppose that's kind of what Munster will be looking to try and bring out of this game, is for uh, Glasgow to feel insecure at the breakdown. But at the same time, over-chasing them. I'm looking again, like today now, for example, I was watching back over the last couple of games, like prior, like before the end of January and kind of, you know, coming up around Christmas time, you just saw way more breakdown penalties uh, for the defensive team. Like at the moment, it feels like nobody is conceding penalties at the breakdown anymore. Like the only teams who are doing it are like defensive teams who are like, you know, getting trapped in their ruck or whatever else. Like there are very few defensive penalties that are awarded at the breakdown anymore. Like if you look at like think of the last time you could see a clean poach being rewarded where there wasn't massive separation between the the rock and the cleaners. Like it, it's I, I can't remember the last time I've seen like, like there's obviously one or two, but when you think about it, like you'd see a breakdown penalty like that happening. Generally you'd see them happening three or four times in a game. I can't remember the last time I saw two in one game. Like it's it really is just very weird how the the interpretation of the game as it's been is kind of almost taking the jackal out of the game. Like certainly the specialist jackal, like the guy who's going hard at that breakdown. Like you know, you look at Jack Willis for example, who'd be one of the best guys in the world at it these days. Same with the likes of Ty Byrne. Even those guys aren't winning those straight arm penalties anymore. Like it's weird, and I think that you know, like that Glasgow back row are built to disrupt you like that. But at the same time, they are prone to, I won't say weakness, but like that's an opportunity for Munster to attack the way that they maintain their possession chains. So again, not quite sure how that's going to play out, but like it's like the balance of it there is like they've got two very heavy second rows. They've got a very, very light um, build back row with obviously Sione Vailanu being a big ball carrier for them. And up front then, they have Nathan Macbeth, great rugby name, Fraser Brown and Xander Fagerson. So, like Xander Fagerson had a really good sec- uh, really good um, Six Nations for Scotland. Uh, you look at uh, Nathan Macbeth. He is, I think he's Scottish qualified. Um, I think he's come up from, he came up from, I think, was it the Lions? I think. I think I remember him playing, playing for the Lions and thinking, that's a very Scottish name that you have there um, a couple of years ago. Um, but he's a big, heavy guy. And like that's one of the things that like like Glasgow in particular, when they're looking to retain the ball, they will roll through their front five. And like Ollie Kebble is fantastic at that. And like the last time we played uh, Glasgow in, I think in Scotstoun, Ollie Kebble was just such a huge player for them. I think they left him on for the entire game. Like that's how important he was in that game for them. But like, I think that the team that they have here certainly beatable for Munster. But like. I just worry that they're playing really well this Glasgow team and like for Munster we have to start really really quickly like they're missing enough guys here that with it being such an important game for them that we can target this game there should be a bonus point there for it I'll go through the Munster team in a minute but with the guys that they're missing like Richie Gray would start here for them Um, you look at you know Duncan Weir would probably be their starter at 10 I think he's out injured at the moment um Again, like Josh McKay, you've got uh, Kyle Stain would be playing. Sione Tuapalato, Hugh Jones, they would all be playing. Sebastian Cancelier is 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 like would be playing but isn't. Jack Dempsey 
would be a guy he'd be starting number eight for them. Like they're building quite a good team here, and like the guys who they're missing, like are fairly big players for them. So like this is a real opportunity for Munster on the bench. They have uh, Johnny Matthews, uh, tough as old boots, former English Championship hooker. Uh, you have uh, Alan Dell. He's back up from London Irish. Uh, big physical, good scrummager. Uh, big physical carrier. Uh, Lu- Lu- Lucio Sordoni. <laughs> like, they've got some guys with some great names here. Um, they have signed... Because they've got a lot of Argentinians, actually. Looking at it now. Yeah, he's another big, heavy guy as well. Like, he's in... That's a... Uh, you know... They have guys who all fit that profile, you know, especially their front row, big, heavy players. Like they're missing the likes of Simon Bergen. They're missing, they're missing Jamie Batty, um, Ali Kebel, Enrique Perietto. They don't have access to him at the moment. So, like, these are guys who would be like who like make Glasgow. I think a very, very difficult team to beat. Like when they're on with the, with the quality that they have. I mean, you know, like George Turner is another guy they're missing. Um, Lewis Bean, Alex Samuel, Thomas Gordon, George Horn, and Tom. Jordan so they've gone for a uh, 6-2 split here you can see like what their <laughs> what the concept behind that is like they're expecting a big physical battle I'm ex- I'm expecting from them a fair bit of kicking early on I think they want to engage Munster in that transition battle which I, I think is a risk for them like Munster have turned into a really good transition team this year but the risks that are there in that like They've really got to, and I think they've they've picked a team to do just that, to meet Munster on that transition defensive line, to attack that first breakdown, and that's where they feel I think that they will have an advantage in this game to get a real edge over over Munster. So that's going to be something for for Munster to manage. Uh, but like it's they're they're missing a lot of guys. There's no escaping that. But the guys who were in there are high potential young players for for Glasgow and for Scotland. But you know, I I think looking at um, you know the the way that they've kind of set their bench here. Like again, we look j- just look at, at like Alex Samuel, like he's a guy who, um, like second row for for Glasgow. He's a huge young fella. Like they can change this game up. Like they like they can sh- like they've gone for a small forward build initially, but they've got a lot of size that they can bring off the bench, and I think that they'll feel because I think they were understanding that RG Stamen was going to be coming off the bench for Munster here as well. Like, you look at the guys they've got there, like, they've got Lewis Bean um, coming off the bench as well. He's another guy, six foot eight, massive size. So they've gone for a small forward build to start with a really heavy 6-2 split. So, like, they, they, they want to be able to rock and roll later in this game from a physical perspective. So for Munster... Like, minding that transition is going to be hugely important because, like, they're going to start with, you know, obviously, they, like, they're starting with Darge and Fagerson. That gives you a lot of transition coverage with, you know, whoever they're going to bring on. Maybe they'll change off Cummings and J.P. Dupria. Like, J.P. Dupria won't do 80, but, like, the guys that they bring on, like, I think Scott Cummings could do 90 or could do the full 80. So you're looking at uh, bringing in Lewis Bean or somebody like that into the back row. Immediately makes it a little bit heavier. Um, and... You can see where they feel they can win this game and where they feel there's an advantage for them. So I think we'll see a lot more kicking from them early on. They'll want to play in that transition state. And for Munster, we have to mine that area, win that transition battle. And then when they look to go heavier in the second half, we have to be willing to play them on that level as well. But you look at Munster's bench and you look at the way Munster have selected here. For me, it looks like a good matchup. 
right? Uh, in our in the back three, Mike Haley is back. Um, he has been out injured for the last number of weeks. Comes back in. He is a massive player for this monster team, who's been playing incredibly well this season. Like I think I spoke about um, Hugo Keenan and Mike Haley. I think is in the same conversation for me. Mike Haley is more physical and is a heavier hitter on both sides of the ball. Hugo Keenan is faster and probably has a better kicking game. But when we look at Mike Haley, like he's a guy who has, for me, benefited so much from not being a massive playmaker for this team. He doesn't have a huge number of, of on-ball passing involvements anymore. Now, typically, like he hasn't played that way. And I suppose it comes down to the usage that we've got out of our midfield over the last number of years. Like, or well, last number of weeks, I would say. Um, and I'm talking about match weeks. Uh, Antoine Friche has taken on a huge amount of passing um, in this uh, monster midfield. Jack Crowley is playing at 12. We've got Malachi Fekatoa and Jack Crowley at uh, 13 and 12, respectively. Um, so Jack Crowley will take on a lot of passing involvements here as well. Now, when Munster have played well, we have had uh, Carberry at 10, we've had uh, Crowley at 12, and Frisch at, uh, at outside centre, taking on a lot of passing responsibilities as well. That has meant that for Mike Haley, what he's mostly doing is running the ball back on transition, and that'll be hugely important here. He will be coming under fairly heavy fire on those runbacks on transition. Glasgow have spent, uh, like, they, like, they have brought their guys in, so, like, they have selected specifically in this first half for that transition space. Mike Haley is a really good transition runner because he's big and he's physical. In the same way that, that, that Hugo Keenan is quicker and more elusive, Mike Haley is such a heavy straight-line runner that, like, when he gets that little change of step in that, like, that direction, he beats guys. And he's capable of offloading out of that tackle as well. Like, our, our, our back three in general this season on transition has been really, really good. Uh, we've got Calvin Nash and Shane Daly as the other guys here. Shane Daly, like, essentially plays like another fullback there as well, as in he's another guy who's very, very good in that transition run back. He's big, he's physical, he beats guys with his footwork. Mike Haley is far more direct. Like, Mike Haley is a guy who, when he takes that ball on the run back, and he's very good in the air too, like... Or at least he was prior to the the injury he had over the last couple of um of, of games. When guys like that come back in, they can be a little bit rusty first game back. But Mike Haley, in general, the standard of his high ball work is is of the highest standard. Like so, that to me is not a massive worry. Um, but like in the air, typically this monster back three has been pretty good. I don't think we'll see a massive amount of contestables from. Um, from Glasgow I think they will try it out early on Ali Price is a decent contestable kicker um, but I think they look to try and play uh, that bit longer with their kicking game and that transition zone like they've selected specifically for it that's going to be a big um, battle between I think their back row and midfield and our back three and midfield so that's going to be a hugely important area of the game and how we match up with them there will I think decide how this game plays out certainly in the early going in midfield, Fekitoa and Jack Crowley. Crowley is um, just back from international camp. Um, and I've had a lot of questions today about, like, why is he playing at 12? Like, what's the problem there? Like, Antoine Frisch, first of all, is out injured at the moment. He's got a minor leg injury, but he's expected to be back training next week for the European Cup quarterfinal. Um, or round of 16, I think it is. Anyway, like, Crowley and Fekitoa, for me, 
can work as a duo. We have actually seen Crowley and Frisch more often than not. But I, I think that with um, Crowley at 12, and as I was saying there previously, the way the Munster play is that when you see Carberry and Crowley at 10 and 12 in this system, and this is true of all the games that we've seen this season with them at 10 and 12. We've seen it in the European Cup. We've seen bits and pieces of it in the URC. There's no material difference between what Joey Carberry does and what Jack Crowley does offensively in this system outside of certain roles at the set piece, like the line-out or off the scrum, and defensively off the line-out and off the scrum. For the most part, they play offensively in the same positions. They get the exact same number of looks at first receiver and are expected to playmake in the same manner. Why... Like, because again, I think some of it is like kind of, oh, well, you were criticizing Menster for playing Kieran Frawley at 12 and then wondering why is he getting selected at 10 for Ireland. Reason why I think that the two things are different is, and I think we saw that in the way that Leinster and, and Stormers played um, earlier on uh, tonight, because I'm recording this quite late, given my back and forth with different things with the studio, but it'll be worth it. Um, that they don't really use the the, the the second playmaker at 12 in the same way. They're not really a second playmaker. They're more of an auxiliary playmaker. Jack Crowley and Joey Carberry in this game, like if it goes to the similar pattern that what we've seen from, we'd say Toulouse or, or those other games, is that they will have a very equal share in those playmaking moments. I think that's going to be the big difference between the two. So for, for Jack Crowley... After I, I I won't say it, it'll be a frustrating Six Nations for them, but like I don't think he got the on-field minutes that he would have wanted. Um, I think that for a guy like that, he wants to get onto the bench. He wants to be start pushing for that for that starting ten jersey, and like in the playing at twelve here, he can certainly showcase the vast majority of what he would if he was playing at ten. To be honest, and I think that this is an opportunity to kind of showcase the difference between himself and, and Ross Byrne, for example, where Ross Byrne is a more, we'll say composed um, on the, on, on, on the evidence of this season, a more kind of reliable goal kicker. But what Jack Crowley is, is more explosive, more athletic, has a better passing range for me, um, can beat players himself with his own carrying game and has the understanding of how to beat a blitz. And I think that at 12 here, because I would forget about that. He's here as a, as a dual playmaker. So we'll have opportunities to step in at first receiver and, and showcase what he's about. I think there's a good matchup here for him with the way that Glasgow defend. I think that they're prone to pushing out a little bit with their small forward build back roll. That, ex like that gives a few opportunities for an elusive, steppy runner to attack them off the second pass. So not the, not, not the, the, the pass off 9, but the pass off 10. If that ball goes directly to a back, I think there's lanes there for them to attack. And Jack Crowley is very tough to, to stop when he gets that stepping and acceleration game going that he has because he's a real athlete. So that's going to be something to watch. Uh, Carberry starts at... 10 and he is partnered with uh, Paddy Patterson uh, Patterson keeps his spot here like I think it would have been easy for um, Graham Rountree and Mike Prendergast and, and the coaching staff in general to go look Craig Casey's back this week so we're going to start Craig and we're going to finish with Patterson 
Instead, they've gone with the opposite, which I think is a good thing to do here in this instance because uh, Patterson has been playing really, really well. You're, you're giving him the start, but you've got Craig Casey on the bench as well where you can kind of bring him on after 55, 60 minutes. And he, you know, he, like, he gives you so much control, so much accuracy on the ball as well. Given the heaviness of Glasgow's build for the second half with their replacement bench, there were opportunities there for a guy of Craig Casey's skill set. Um, and I think looking at, you know, the way that Patterson has been playing this season with the pace, the elusiveness, just how fucking athletic he looks, uh, how difficult he is to, to bring down. Like, I think that that is uh, potentially a really good mix there between the two of them. Carberry has been up and down. I kept talking about over the last number of weeks that um, that's a guy who I want to see making a statement to the Irish coaches. Like to be fair, he didn't didn't really manage that a statement in in that way. Like he played okay against the Scarlets. I think we looked a little bit worse actually when he was off the field. He brought a bit of control that maybe we kind of got a little bit headless when he was off the field. But maybe that was just because of other things that were happening as well, with other guys coming on the field and going off because of injury or whatever else. But I think that uh, Carberry here in this game just needs to be sharp. Needs to kick well. His work on transition could be very important as well. Um, looking forward to a big game from him, actually. Uh, up front, Dave Kilcoyne, Dermot Barron and Roman Salanoa starting the front row for Munster. Jean Klain, Finian Witcherly, Jack O'Donoghue and John Hodnett uh, make up the back row with Gavin Coombs sliding back in at number eight. That is a guy who I think will be fucking bulling for road in this game. I cannot wait to see him. Dave Kilcoyne comes back in for a start. Looked really good for Ireland when, we, when we've seen him over the last number of weeks. Looks physical, looks aggressive, looks like he's playing with real zip in his game. And I'm delighted to see him back in here, actually, because I think we need that power and explosiveness in the front row. Uh, Roman Salanoa starts again. His, traje- his trajectory this season has been fabulous. He's a really, again, big, physical, explosive guy. Um, with Dermot Barron coming in, Niles Scanlon looks like he's out for a while with a, a neck injury. Um, or not a neck injury, a shoulder injury. Chris Moore is out with a neck injury, which means that we've got a couple of young fellas in uh, training with us as well at the moment. Uh, Dermot Barron, not a young fella, is starting at, at hooker. Uh, Scott Buckley on the bench, and uh, Danny Sheehan, and um, not that, not that one, and um, Max Klein are in training with the squad as well at the moment. So, like, again, look, we we get injuries in groups in this monster side. Um, but with Barron there, no, I've got no worries about this guy. Really good player. He's pushed on again this season. Um, looks like he's added the size he needs. He's got a bit more to go, but he's been playing very well. Scott Buckley hasn't had a ton of opportunities, but needs to take this one. He's got a run now over the next couple of games at just solid bench representation for Munster. And like at his best, this guy, once he can let his hands go and nail the line out, is an explosive nuggety fucking runner off the back of that mall and like give him an opportunity to be physical and he'll be and he'll be physical the lineup i think has held them back um that's something that needs to to, to land here in this game but i uh, i think that he's more than got the potential to, to become like a serious player over the next number of years just needs to like to nail certain aspects of his game where he's still a little bit raw um back five again that's what we kind of expect here uh thomas ahern edwin adogbo didn't make it for this game. Like they're back fit and training, but they're not at the at the level, I suppose, of of kind of match sharpness that they would need for a game of this scale. Like I think people have this idea that like this is a league game. It is a league game, but it's a knockout game. 
Like there's an opportunity here for Munster to get a distinct lead over Glasgow and head into the last two games of the season knowing that if we win one or one of those games or both, like there's no reason why this Munster team can't win both of those games. But even winning one of them means a, a, a quarter final at home in the URC, another home fixture. Then you're into a semi-final and anything can happen if you can win that one. And obviously you have to win the quarterfinal too. But, you know, that's kind of what you're looking for. Like that that's what this uh, this this big playoff run is all about. Can you finish fourth? This Munster team can, but this is the game they need to win to do that. Um, so like the like the back five that are there, Clayne, Witcherly, Adonahu, Hodna, Coombs, they're all playing very, very well. Witcherly's looked really good over the last couple of weeks, really springy in the line out. Um, like again, we could have done with side the size of a hern and a dogbo, but if they're not exactly where they need to be, you're not gonna throw them into a game like this because this is a must-win game and you can't be running guys up to speed in a game like this. Um, so yeah, those guys have been playing very well. Um, on the bench as well, Josh Richardy, Stephen Archer, RG Snayman, Alex Kendellan, uh, or Kendallin, Craig Casey, Rory Scannell, and Simon Zebo. So look, that's a strong bench there for Munster. I think we've seen uh, from Alex Kendallin that he's added a real aggressive streak to his game over the last couple of weeks. If you listen to the interview I did with him a couple of, I think it was two weeks ago. I spoke about that aggression and he was basically saying, yes, he's been working with Dennis Leamy and that's an aspect of his game he's been working on. The chop tackling, the like the, the physicality of the way he's playing, the aggression of the way he's playing. He's a fucking head wrecker when he comes on now. That's a big part of what I think will make Alex, Alex Kandelan into an international is more of that, more of that aggression and more of that spite. And again, you look at John Hodnett, how well he's been playing over the last couple of weeks. Explosive, he's beat defenders. He's a, da- a real danger in those wide channels where, again, you look at the possible matchup there between himself and Jamie Doby. That's a real outlet for Munster given how often John Hodna plays in the edge these days. So that's going to be a, a massive, massive focus here. And I think that with the, the two teams that are out, look, Munster should be winning this game. The opportunity for a bonus point is there also. Glasgow are a very good side. They're missing a lot of their top guys because of internationals. That's an opportunity for Munster. And they're missing a few guys through injury as well. That is also an opportunity for Munster. So I think that given that and the importance of it and the fact that it's you know in Tolman Park, we're expecting a decent crowd for it. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. So I'll be on Limerick Live 95 covering this game. Um, so tune into that um, to get my prep. Um, because I like to kind of be entertaining when I'm on the radio. I like to try and be a bit fun, not dour, not moaning. Um, but I'm really excited to see how this game plays out live. So um, check it out. I'll be doing a live stream after the game as well once I get home. Um, but yeah, look, thank you very much for joining me. And like just to repeat, there will be no red eye for this one, but there will be a longer Wally ratings and there'll be a, on the two euro tier, there will be a kind of a special GIF article breakdown of the game with more stuff that wasn't in the Wally ratings on the Monday. So look, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for being a tier case subscriber during the month of March. I, like, I really do appreciate it because, you know, it just helps me look after my daughter helps me run everything here in a way that I wouldn't be able to do without your support so thank you very very much and I'll talk to you again after the game tomorrow